This is what our souls were created to do, is to give him glory and to tell him that he's holy. And in heaven, that is all we do, is we give God glory and we tell him that he's holy and that he reigns. And we know that God has his perfect will in heaven. We know that it's the perfect will of the Father, what happens in heaven. And so we can see that it's God's perfect will that our soul would bring him glory. So as we keep singing this song, as we keep lifting up our praise, just fix your eyes on the throne of heaven and tell your soul, your spirit to praise him and your flesh will get in line. Because our flesh is going to pass away. It's going to return to the dust. But our soul, our spirit, it's an eternal thing because we're, we're with him in heaven for all of eternity. And that's what we're created to do. Our innermost being is created to give him glory. So if you're struggling to get into his presence this morning, I just encourage you to sing this from a place of your soul looking at the throne of heaven. And your flesh will get in line. Your flesh will get in line. It might take a little bit of time. But we're just going to keep singing this song. And we're just going to keep giving him glory from our soul, from the innermost part of our being, as we join with heaven this morning, as we join in with the residents of our home, because we know that heaven is our home. We're just passing by on the earth. So we're going to join in and do what we're created to do.
Jesus, my offering, oh my ambitions, my hopes, my dreams. So here's my heart, Lord, a sacrifice, oh just to bless you.
raise one day in your courts better raise one day in your house better raise one day in your courts a thousand elsewhere better raise one day in your courts better raise one day in your house better raise one day in your courts a thousand elsewhere better raise one day in your courts better raise one day in your house better raise one day in your courts a thousand elsewhere it's better raise one day in your courts better raise one day in your house Siamoti andara shipoko, imokiri andiara mosi matiande. O kibi simati andoru shipaka siatiambo, himaki tiambo, si paria simoko, hiamaria si bilkotiai. O hear me this morning, my children. I have come this morning like a bear, like a mother bear that has been robbed of her young ones. O kibi siari biti andoru shipoko. I am jealous over your life. I am the Lord, your God. 
I am your mother like God and I am jealous over you, my child. I have come to fight for you. There is a fight over your life, but I have prevailed. I am jealous over you, my child. I have come to win you back. Amen, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your great love. Lord, you've pursued us. I thank you for every person here in this building, God. I thank you for the plan that you have for their lives. Let no devil, let no demon interrupt your great love. I thank you for your love has prevailed. You are more than victorious. You have overcome. Thank you, Lord. And we commit the remainder of this service to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Psalm um, 27 says, as David said, I would have been discouraged, I would have failed, I would have stumbled and fallen unless I had believed, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, Father, we, we just choose today to believe, to believe your word. We choose faith today. We thank you for the finished work of Calvary. And we thank you that you have conquered all sin. You've defeated all powers of darkness and there is nothing now standing between us and you. Thank you, Father. When we reflect on our lives, we see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, I thank you that we are alive today because you're alive. Yes, Father. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I just would like to look into the work of the Holy Spirit one aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives is to get us ready uh, to meet Jesus, to meet our bridegroom. And the Bible tells us that, that we, uh, the New Testament church, are getting ready to meet Jesus. And we, we need the, the help of the Holy Spirit for that. So I'm, I'm going to read the parable of the story that Jesus told about 10 virgins in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 to 10. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, 
but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. So here the Lord Jesus Christ explains to us one aspect of God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, there, there's a system set up to help man, to help you meet Jesus. So he hasn't left us without a plan or a way to meet him. He's clearly given us in his scriptures, in the word of God, there's a clear pattern for us to meet the bridegroom. And if we follow his pattern, uh, then we will not stumble, we won't fall. But if we devise our own plans and our own purposes, then that is where we go wrong. So we see here these, uh, these ten virgins. The story was not about the ten virgins. The story is about the kingdom of God. And these ten virgins play a role uh, in this story. But we see they are virgins because they kept themselves for the bridegroom. They kept themselves for this opportunity to be with the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. They kept themselves unstained from the world or unpolluted so that they would be available uh, for him. And we see, however, five of them were wise, five of them were able to meet the bridegroom, but the other five or half of them were not wise. They were foolish and they were not able uh, to find their way to the bridegroom. So we see in the Bible, the lamp uh, speaks to us about the Word of God. In Psalm 119, it says a lamp, uh, the Word of God is like a lamp to our feet. It's a lamp to our feet. But oil in the Word of God talks to us about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the life that comes to the Word of God and lightens it. So a lamp by itself without the oil is not able to provide light. The lamp is not able to operate uh, and provide the purpose for which it has been given without oil in it. In the same way, all of us came here this morning in a car and many of you just jumped in your car, started it and took off without really thinking about the oil and the purpose of the oil. And, you know, when you start your car in the morning, uh, it's recommended that you let it idle before you pump your foot on the accelerator and take off because it takes a little while for the oil to work its way through every part of the engine so the engine is lubricated. In the same way, as God's people, we need the Holy Spirit to interpret the Word of God or to enlighten the Word of God or give us his understanding, because we can read the Word of God uh, through our natural thinking and through our carnal minds, and we can interpret it uh, wrongly, and it doesn't go ahead to produce the life. So we see the Holy Spirit is the fuel uh, that empowers the Word of God to man. The Holy Spirit uh, is the one that helps us to interpret the Word of God or turns the Word of God into living fuel that we need uh, for our spirit man. So 
Jesus, when he was on the earth in John chapter 14, he talked about the helper. He said, I have to go so that the helper, the Holy Spirit, will come. It's necessary for him to come. And when he comes, he will remind you of the things that I spoke to you. And he will bring them to bear in your life. So he will take the words that I've spoken to you and he will turn them from mere words of men into the word of God. So the Holy Spirit has now the ability, as I speak the word of God, he has the ability to take my words and translate them into the word of God so that you can feed on them. You can hear me speaking as a natural man and it won't help you. It won't transform your life. But if the Holy Spirit would quicken the Word of God, even as I speak it this morning, it can give life uh, to your life. So uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 6, Paul the Apostle, he gives this explanation regarding the Word of God. And he says, the Word or the letter by itself it is very dangerous. He says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So the Word of God by itself, without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is very, very dangerous. It's more dangerous than a gun. Even if you were carrying a gun in your pocket, uh, you would know that it is dangerous because you know it's loaded and it could go off if you pull the trigger and cause damage to somebody's physical life. However, the Word of God has the ability to kill without knowing it because the Word of God in itself is, it is powerful and it gives life. But wrongly interpreted through the natural mind, it also can bring death. The letter kills by itself. The Word of God has the ability to both give life, but it has the ability to kill and to cause damage. And the Word of God in the wrong hands is a weapon of mass destruction. And people have killed in the name of God's Word. People have manipulated and caused all kinds of turmoil and catastrophes in people's lives in the name of religion and in the name of truth. Truth without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is very destructive. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And it was prophesied, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, that when Jesus came in Isaiah 48 verse 16, he says, the Lord and his Spirit has sent me. So Jesus came. Jesus was the Word. In John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The Word was God and the Word was with God. But he didn't come by himself. He came through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus was, was inspired. He was given life in Mary's womb through the life of God, the Holy Spirit. So, how to receive the Word of God? The only way we can receive Word of God is not through the natural uh, intellect of man, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus, the Word of God, came by the Spirit, 
the only way we can receive him is through the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by the living word of God. The living word of God speaks about the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There's a dead word of God and there's a living word of God. One is interpreted through the natural mind and the other is interpreted through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. One brings death, one brings life. Jesus said you cannot live on natural bread alone because you have a spirit that needs to be fueled through my words inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Lord and his spirit has sent me. The word of God has come to us through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How to understand the word of God? Do we go and study Do we go and sit under a learned teacher? Do we go and get a degree from Bible college? Or do we sit under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and rely upon him to help us? I'm not speaking against Bible college or sitting under learned men or women of God. However, we have to be careful because these things sometimes can lead us astray. So man shall not live by bread alone, but by every living word of God. So the Bible in itself, the word of God is referred to logos. The Greek word is logos. But the living word is the rima, the rima word. The logos in itself cannot help us. It Logos must become Rima. Written word must become living word, active word. The living word is the word that brings life to you. It's a living word that will transform you. The Logos does not have the living life or the breath of God in it. So purely reading God's word and meditating on God's word intellectually will not transform your life but will just breed death in you. So the reamer of God, the life of God uh, has to be received in your spirit man. So when we hear the word of God or when we read the word of God, it comes into our natural mind and It is our duty to submit our natural mind to the Spirit of God to allow allow that natural word to become living word. And this is why Jesus said, The Lord and his Spirit has sent me. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, the Apostle Paul speaks further about this, and he says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature, yet not the wisdom 
of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming too, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God which God ordained. So this is a mystery. Paul came to know the Word of God as in a mystery. So how the Spirit speaks to us, it's a mystery that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. So the Word of God in itself has to be interpreted by the Holy Spirit. And Satan himself actually has the lamp, but he doesn't have the oil. How do we know that when Satan came into the Garden of Eden, he brought the lamp. He brought the Word of God to Eve and he deceived her. When Jesus came into the garden and was fasting and praying for 40 days, the audacity of Satan to to walk up to the living Word himself and begin to quote the Word of God. But he presented the lamp but no spirit. Jesus straight away spoke the living Word to Satan and Satan had no ground to stand on. So if Satan can come with the lamp and no spirit, the dangerous thing is that he can even come into the church. And we know that Satan also can appear as an angel of light. Satan can stand in the pulpit and he can speak the word of God without life, without the spirit. If Satan has the audacity to stand before Jesus, the living word, and quote the word of God, could he not stand before you and I and quote the same thing? This is why in these days, if we are going to have an encounter with Jesus, we need the spirit of God. We need our lamps to be burning. We need the oil of God in our spirit. It's no good just to have an intellectual understanding of the Logos Word, we need the Rima Word, we need the Holy Spirit uh, to come and fill us up. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. We need the oil of God, we need the Holy Spirit. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit in order to prepare us to meet the bridegroom. This is real. Jesus is coming back soon. Will you be ready? It is not through your own intellectual understanding or your past experiences of the Word of God. You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You need to give your life and surrender your life to the power of God. And when we come before Him, we come before Him empty so that we may be filled. So the oil must be overflowing in our lives. So Paul talks about in in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, he says the rulers of this age or the leaders of this age did not know. If they knew, they would never 
have crucified Jesus. It's a hidden wisdom. It's a mystery. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the good things that God has prepared for us. But these things are revealed by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that would reveal His plan and purpose to you. It is, it is to the natural mind or to the natural man, these things are foolish. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit moves, it's an offence to our tradition. It's, a, it's an offence to our natural mind. If the Holy Spirit was to move upon you and you were to, to dance like a fool in worship, then that brings offence to the natural mind. If the Holy Spirit was to come on you and you were to, to speak in another language that doesn't make sense to the natural mind, then that would seem foolish to the natural man. But to the spiritual man, it's life and it's peace. So in this story, we see Jesus' example of a foolish bride, of a foolish version, was one who was not filled with the Holy Spirit. They were virgins because they had lamps. So through the Word of God, we are born into the family of God. We are one family. We are part of His family. But through the filling of the Holy Spirit, they become wise. So in the church today, in Christianity, we have two groups. Jesus divided us into two groups, foolish and wise. And His understanding of wise are those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. His understanding, Jesus' understanding of a foolish virgin was one who was not filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked as the Word of God. He walked as the lamp of God on this earth for 30 years. And he was known as the son of Joseph. Something happened at the age 30 when he was baptised that he became known as the Christ the Christ, the anointed one. So up until 30, he was the son of Joseph. At age 30, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and he became the anointed one. He became the Christ and he began his ministry. So access to the lamp qualifies us to be the sons of God, but access to the oil empowers us to be His sons. Access to the Holy Spirit empowers us to have an encounter with Jesus, to meet Him. And every day we need an encounter with Jesus. Every day, not just when He returns, but every day, in this dark, fallen world, we need an encounter with Him. We can't go in our natural understanding or our natural strength. So we see the Holy Spirit or the oil in this story was useful inside the lamp. So we see the Word of God gives boundaries for the oil of God. The oil of the Word of God gives us a confinement 
for the work of God or the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, we take the Word of God and we, we put the both together. So our understanding or our study of the Word of God is inspired through the Holy Spirit, just like the lamp defines a boundary uh, for the oil. However, the oil, it requires flexibility and it requires movement. That's why Jesus said when he spoke about the Holy Spirit, he said uh, the wind blows but you, you don't know where it's coming from. You see the effects of it. And so with the Holy Spirit when he moves, he, we don't know how he's going to move and we believe in God he's going to send revival. The Holy Spirit is going to move in our midst and we don't know exactly how he's going to move but we know that it's going to bring a threat to our past traditions. And, you know, sometimes when you hear people shouting under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's not just an emotion, but there's something that takes place in the Spirit to bring a breakthrough. So many of us, want the oil of God. Many of us want the move of the Holy Spirit, but we want to control Him. We want to contain Him and we want Him according to our past experiences and our past traditions. I've been asking the Lord to give me an open mind regarding how He's going to move uh, in my life and in, in the church. So we see Calvary gave us an opportunity to access the Spirit. Why, when Jesus went to the cross, He prepared a way for us to receive the Spirit of God. He dealt with sin in our life. He removed sin from us. So through repentance and forgiveness of sin, we become a vessel ready uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. And I think it's in Galatians chapter 3, uh, when we see Christ became a curse for us by hanging on the tree so that we uh, might receive the promise of the Spirit. Jesus was cursed for us so that we could be grafted into the promise of Abraham, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit. Even though we were not Jewish by birth, because Christ became a curse for us, he purchased us as sons of Abraham that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us, upon us both spiritually and naturally, that everything that we would put our hand to as sons of Abraham, everything that we touch would be blessed and that we would be prosperous both in our body in our soul and our spirit, that we, because Christ was cursed, we, our lives are no longer cursed. Our lives are no longer failures, but our lives are quite the opposite. We've come, because Jesus bore that curse on the cross, we've come into the full blessing of Abraham. And it's God's desire for us that we would just remove all of our natural understanding 
when we come to His Word, when we come to His promises, all of our negative experiences in our past must go. He wants us to understand that we are qualified to receive all of His blessing. You are qualified today because Jesus was cursed. You are qualified to be a son and a daughter of God, a son and a daughter of Abraham. That means all the blessings of God are for us today. However, our natural mind has a problem in receiving that because our natural mind tells us that we're not worthy. Your natural mind tells you that you're undeserving. Your natural mind tells you that you have uh, sinned and fallen short of God's mercy and God's grace. That's why the letter by itself kills, because the letter tells you that you're a sinner and the letter tells you that you're condemned. But the Spirit combined with the Word of God, the oil combined with the lamp of God brings life and translates all of the promises of God into your very life so that you can receive all of His promises, all of His blessings become available to you because Jesus was cursed. So the lamp becomes light to your path and leads you into an encounter with Jesus Christ in every area of your life. You'll be blessed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where God's Spirit is, there's freedom. There's liberty. So that is his signature. The signature of the Holy Spirit is freedom in our lives, freedom in every area. So no longer boxed in, no longer contained through our natural thinking, but our our possibilities for you in the kingdom of God is beyond your natural mindset. We have to understand how much God values you and how much he believes in you and how much he has chosen to use you in this world. Your natural mind, your natural thinking is quite small and some of us, our natural thinking is, is, is smaller than others because of negative words and negative circumstances and past failures that we have experienced and words that have been spoken over us in the past. And as we submit our natural minds to the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, He lifts us up and He opens us up to the realm of possibilities both in the natural and in the spiritual. If we would know and we would understand how much He loves us and how much He cares for us and how much He has chosen us, it would blow our minds and our lives would transform. So we can't live small lives anymore because the Spirit of God has come and been released. So... The foolish virgins were encouraged to go and buy oil. They were encouraged to go and get oil from those who sell it. And it is amazing how God uses man to bless man. 
And there are those in the earth today that have this revelation that they have oil to give. So in this story, we have foolish virgins, we have wise virgins, and we have those who have enough oil to share with others. And I pray today that we in this room would be people that have enough oil to share with others. That we would not even be wise versions, but we would be wiser than these wise versions, that we would understand that the oil that we have is enough to give to our fellow brothers and sisters that are in need. Because there is no limitation to the oil of God. There is no limitation to the oil of heaven and how God has chosen to use you to bless another man. And the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit was poured out in the, in the book of Acts, in chapter, Acts chapter 2. We see the first time the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church was purely an act of God. We see the fire came down from heaven and tongues of fire came upon each of the disciples, those who were seeking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But from that moment on, God chose to use man to bless man. It's amazing to me that even though God has the ability just to come down sovereignly and he, He does do that at times, but generally He chooses to use men to bless men. And I was encouraged by uh, Cassie's painting here. It looked like the hands of God giving water on the earth, but you can see it's more like the hands of man. And how blessed are you that God has chosen you to be a conduit or to be a blessing of the Holy Spirit on the earth. And I was reading in Acts chapter 8, When the apostles were at Jerusalem, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They'd received the lamp of God. However, they sent Peter and John to them so that they would bring some oil. They recognized that Peter and John were were carriers of the oil of God. They had enough oil in their vessels to share with with the believers in Samaria. And I pray that we would be known as a people that have enough oil to share with those who need it. So when they came down, they prayed for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. And it happened at Corinth as well. And uh, we see that uh, Paul came and he came then to Ephesus and he found some disciples there and he asked them this question, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Did you fill up your lamps with oil? They said to him, we didn't know that this oil was available. We hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. So there was a, after receiving the Word of God, this is after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit had been given on the earth, these believers had only had the lamp of God. They had no oil in their lamps. And yet you would think God in his sovereign will would just fill the lamp. No, not so. It's not the pattern that we see in God's word. They sent those who had enough oil and the understanding 
that the oil was to be shared. And when Paul had laid his hands on them in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So these virgins became wise. God sends men to bless men. We need to be wise, wise virgins, if we're to meet our bridegroom. If we could, maybe Joy, would, would you mind coming up and maybe Brad? Let's just submit our, our lives now to the Lord and Holy Spirit, come. Blow like a mighty rushing wind. Blow in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come in power. We ask that you would come in glory. that you would fill each one of us, that our vessels would be full, that our lamps would be full. Father, we understand the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Fill each one of us here with your glory. That we'll be ready to meet Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Come, Holy Spirit, fill us, overflow. May we a people that always have enough oil, always have enough oil. Lord, thank you you have chosen us to use us. Let's just all stand together and just let's just position ourselves expectant to receive the oil of heaven just in an infilling, a fresh infilling. You may have been filled with the Holy Spirit once. But we see in the book of Acts that they were, where they were filled again. And the whole place where they were situated began to shake. He wants to fill you afresh with His Holy Spirit today. 
Let's put off our natural thinking. We need Him. We need Him. Lord, we need You. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us up. Holy Spirit, overwhelm us this morning. Oh, Lord. We want to encounter Jesus. We want to encounter You in this place, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Joy 